We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, August 17th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, my friend Jake Seely is with me today. Jake, now of The Athletic. New, uh, yeah. You're the second person from The Athletic we've had here so far. Oh, who's the first? Uh, Brandon, Marion Lee. Oh, see, that, that, that's not acceptable. I should have been the first. You should have been first? Well, <laughs> you, you, were, you were a later arrival to The Athletic, so... Uh. But yeah, I was like, I was planned for a little while. It's just some because some kinks had to be worked out with uh, the previous company in this one. Um, I need to give you a message. Uh, Joe Pizapia was on yesterday with me, and he said to tell you it was appropriate that he came first, and you had to, you know, bring up the rear behind him. No, no, that's fine. He just he he's got a inferiority complex. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and and funny with him, we had a we, we had a sponsor that was a a, a, a male pattern baldness um, treatment. So oh, it was, it was kind of a that, fun that's, conversation. That's that, that's messed up. <laughs> it just it was a coincidence. <laughs> I swear to God. All right, so Jake, let's talk about um uh, the three games on Thursday. Um, I mean, I don't know about anything earth shattering, but some things did happen. No bubble wrap for Tom Brady at all. Are they mad? Were they mad at the Eagles? Were they trying to prove a point? 
Uh, I don't know what the point is. It's it's preseason, so <laughs> who really cares? But yeah, it, it definitely looked like a completely different situation than what we saw in the Super Bowl. But you know, again, it's preseason. You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I think the bigger fact is, as you said, it's no bubble wrap. Everybody out there, uh, Tom Brady trying to get the rust off. And I think I why you say no bubble wrap and why we saw what we saw last night. I think it was because things were a little bit tentative headed into this game. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, speaking of tentative Patriots. Um, Rex Burkhead didn't play. There's a report there is a slight tear in his knee. That's got to freak you out, doesn't it? I would think so. See, here's the thing that I've come to understand as you learn more and you learn more, especially from the medical side, is anytime you have a sprain, you technically tore something. Like it's, it's, the grades of the sprain is how much you tore in a muscle. So I I don't know what this is. Like, are we talking about? It? Is it just a sprain? And then in that case, is it a mild sprain? And that's just a, like a tear that's going to take time to heal, and you can just continue to play through it. Or is this something more significant? But what I really come back down to is, why do people keep messing with this backfield? I, I have the excitement for Rex Burkhead as much as anybody, but it'll actually probably not as much as anybody. But you have this and Sony Michelle, and you know what? That uh, plus 15, 14, whatever I have above consensus on the rankings for James White is going to end up being like a zero because everybody's going to start jumping on the bandwagon they should have been on to begin with. <laughs> and as the only healthy, consistent person who doesn't have his role changed, who doesn't you know change from year to year, who just continues to produce, and that's James White. All right. Um, so you weren't on the – when everyone was healthy, you weren't on with anyone. You weren't on, okay, Michelle in the, in the fourth round sounds fine. No. None of that stuff. No, definitively not. And I like Sony Michelle, and I like his talent. But we this was I'm not saying I predict this kind of injury. Actually, somebody that I work with, Emery Hunt, did. He said he runs too hard. If you watch how he plants his foot, he's going to have knee problems. And he already had them in college. He's just doubling down on it. Uh, I wasn't expecting like, oh, he's going to get hurt, and that's why I don't like him. I, I like didn't like him because if you just take last year's team, let's forget Sony Michelle. Let's take all the running backs from last year and put them back on this team again this season. Dean Lewis would be the RB2, but getting to that RB2 at the end of the season is kind of what I call it's the uh, bizarro Frank Gore. Frank Gore makes the RB2 because he played 16 games for the, every single year until last year, and he fell off last year. But he got there just by playing 16 games. Dion Lewis on the other side, or whoever's the lead is for the Patriots, gets there by being a roller coaster one week 15, one week three, next week 20, next week four. And that's what you have to deal with. And that's why I don't want anything to do with the Patriots backfield. I don't know why people keep going down this road. All right. And, and, and I was kind of thinking in the beginning that for, like I said, okay, I, I sort of agree with you there that I didn't trust Michelle, even though they picked him early. But then Burkhead, when Burkhead was, you know, going in round nine or 10 or whatever, it was, I said, oh, okay. I think there's some decent value there. This yeah. week it was up to fifth round. I went, nah, I think I'm good. <laughs> well, that's what happened after Michelle got like, I was with you. Like Rex Burkhead was like, okay, fine. You know, ninth, tenth round. Yeah, that definitely has some value in PPR as well. James White was the one I was still taking. He was going for free the most yep. of this time. Uh, but as you said, Rex Burke has jumped into the fifth, sixth round range. And now I'm just, it's the Sonny Michelle one now. It's what the hell are you guys doing? I don't get it. All right, let's go. Um, Jet skins. Um, Teddy, Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater played well. Uh, people are overreacting a little bit about it today, but whatever. Bilal Powell. Okay, so Crowell's out, concussion last week. Powell, this is the second week in a row, played a lot with the first string. Should we read anything into this? No, this is we've done. How many years have we done Bilal Powell? I know. It, it's I know. Like, 
this is somebody at the beginning of the career. Now, this is why I say this is you're coming from somebody who liked Bilal Powell and wanted to see him get more opportunities at the beginning of his career. At this point, it's kind of the Devontae Parker, Kevin White. Well, obviously, Kevin White's 100% injury-related. But, like, all these, like, do we really keep going back to this well? Like, Bilal Powell had his chances last year, and he'll get his chances again this year. But he's never going to be any more than what we've seen. I don't think so. And I don't think Isaiah Crowell is completely out unless the concussion lingers into the season. And now he misses a game. Okay, I'll get involved with Blal Powell as a flex running back. But Elijah McGuire should only miss a week or two of the regular season, and he's a superior pass catcher, definitely lacking on the running side. But it, it, when it comes down to it, I, I just, I'm not going to get overexcited about Blal Powell. Somebody's going to draft him in like that sixth-round range after what happened last night and the concussion concerns with Crowell, and they, they're going to be sad that they did so. Okay, um, other side of that game, uh, Samaji P. Ryan sprained ankle. Had a what a thirty yard run and left the field with a sprained ankle. It sounds this morning, or actually late last night, Jay Gruden said he doesn't think it's that bad. But I, I had this conversation last week about Darius Geis on Friday morning. That hey, oh, it doesn't sound bad. It sounds fine. And look what yeah. happened later in the day. Um, so if you're at, for what we know now, this is kind of a big draft weekend for people. What do you do with Rob Kelly? I'm going to keep him where he is. Uh, this one sounds a little bit more believable. That it's not that big of a deal than the Darius Guy situation, at least also because it's an ankle, not a knee. But I had P. Ryan as, as 51 as of yesterday and Rob Kelly at 46, not even a huge gap. And I'm not really going to move that. Uh, maybe. Uh, I know because I'm looking at it right now. Rob Kelly is right there with James White, C.J. Anderson, Bilal Powell, Ty Montgomery. Like He's not going to leapfrog those guys because unless P. Ryan is out for a significant time, <clears throat> Excuse me. I got something caught in my throat there. You can edit that out, right? Uh, sure. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> take a drink of water. Or it's just good radio. This is what happens with live radio. Live so radio sometimes, that's right. In any case, I'm not moving them ahead of those guys unless P. Ryan's completely out. And then at that point, they'll probably add somebody, although they seem content to do so now. The biggest thing is what I keep doing is I'm just taking Chris Thompson. I know Chris Thompson said he's not going to be 100% until November or whatever that may be. But I'm still going to keep taking him as similar to James White, but the better version of James White is we've already seen how good he can be. He's the only one that I trust in that backfield. Okay. Um, let's go to Steelers Packers. A lot of points in that one. Uh, so James Washington, uh, five for 114 and two. The one touchdown, he basically jumped over a guy. People, people talk about what his, his ball tracking skills, I guess is the best way to put it. And that yes. was just a perfect example of James Washington's ball tracking skills. And you're gonna look at the stat line and go, "Whoa! Should, what should we should we bother?" I mean, in a redraft, you're not really bothering with James Washington, right? I actually am. I've really? been taking him. Yeah, you know, well, I've been taking. So here's why. So I've been taking him in the last round of drafts, basically. And this is another one like James White is. I have a giant plus number next to him above consensus rankings, and that's probably going to change after last night. Yeah. Just in general, I, I mean, that's just going to happen. Uh, but the biggest thing about James Washington is, as you said, is the ball tracking skills. He's a great wide receiver. He got too much hate for the conference he played in. He doesn't quite have the size. You know who else didn't have the size when he came out? Odell Beckham didn't really stop him. I don't, I'm not, now, I'm not calling him Odell Beckham. I'm just saying that people didn't give him the respect deserved. He's a terrific wide receiver. And to double down on my feelings for that and why I feel so much better for that is I actually got to talk to Mike Tomlin here in Virginia when he was doing a benefit for the Hampton Rose Youth Football or Youth Foundation for Football. And I talked, and I asked him about James Washington, and he specifically said to me, he "Goes I like James Washington more than I like Juju Smith-Schuster last year. I had a first-round grade on him. His, I just wow. love this kid. So if Mike Tom is saying that, that sounds to me like we're going to find ways 
to get James Washington involved. And whether Juju Smith-Schuster comes off on a few plays specifically designed for Washington, maybe there's a few formations they want to use him instead. At worst case scenario, he's last year's Martavis Bryant, who Martavis Bryant, people were excited for last year yep. as, as you know the fourth option in the offense if he could have just stayed on the field and stayed consistent. So, yes, I have, I have 100% had James Washington about everywhere I could manage. And if anything were to happen to anybody on this team, well, you know, uh, hopefully not Antonio Brown, but ho- Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, anybody. I mean, James Washington is going to skyrocket. So, but la- well, last year at this time, Bryant was more third than fourth, right? Right. But okay. what I was saying is then Juju Smith-Schuster yeah, passed him. He did. And then you, you still got value out of Martavis Bryant. So that, that was my comparison. It's saying like okay. people were saying, well, do you really want the fourth option? Well, honestly, in the Steelers offense, yes, because the fourth option is the fourth option. It's not the tight end. Okay. Um, last thing on the other side of that ball, uh, Jamal Williams hurt his ankle. It, unclear. Uh, we're recording this a little after nine o'clock Eastern on Friday morning. Unclear on Jamal Williams. Any wor- I mean, I guess we don't know at this point if it's bad. Sounds like it's not bad. Are, are you a believer in him? Are you okay in middle rounds? you think that's a nice little spot for him? I do, and I am a Jamal Williams fan. I think he's the best all-around running back that the Packers have. Uh, I, I said he's got a ton of moves when he came out of college. I call them Madden button moves, like the spin and the juke and all that, like, you know, just being tongue-in-cheek or whatever. But I know Aaron Jones is more explosive. Uh, the, the reason I'm on Jamal Williams is because I'm hoping that the one of two scenarios, one very good, one very bad, is the one that it comes to that, that the problem is they have the Bears and the Vikings the first two weeks. We're two of the better run defenses, actually one of the best run defenses in the league in the Vikings. Jamal Williams comes out and looks good. Aaron Jones could come back and just be like, guess what, buddy? You're getting four to seven touches a game. Enjoy that. Uh, the downside is because of those defenses, if Jamal Williams comes out and totals 70 yards in two games on 2.8 yards per carry, Aaron Jones might actually come back to a better scenario than he would have had if he just was sharing from week one. So... I completely understand that is a, that's a scenario we could see happen, and that's why, as much as I do like Jamal Williams, I'm not taking him more as an RB3, as like more of a mid-low level RB3, because there's a significant risk here. And uh, like you said, you're not that concerned about the injury. Not you specifically, but it says yep. like, you know, after last night, there's not a big worry. But it's my, my worry is more of what happens if Williams bombs the first right. two weeks. It, it looks like uh, the, the two ADPs I'm looking at right now, Fantasy Football Calculator and MFL, he's around running back 32-33. So low-end RB, RB3 sounds That's about, a fair right. spot for him. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Um, on Twitter, Jake is at AllInKid. I'm at JHelpin37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Get player updates at Rotowire NFL or find us on Facebook. Okay, yesterday with Joe, as I mentioned, we did guys we're targeting. Today we're doing guys we're avoiding. Um, you talked about some plus people and you talked about Patriots backfield. So we don't have to talk about them. Um, let's go quarterback first. Um, I'm, I've talked about this a lot. I've tried to take a week off from talking about this guy, but, uh, Deshaun Watson, <laughs> the, 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 it's just the hype. I, I like the guy. I get it. I see the ceiling. I, the, the, the reasoning I keep coming back to is I'm betting on him to do things that I already know Cam Newton can do. Right. Do you agree? I mean, do you think that Sean Watson fantasy love is a little much for this year? I think it's getting a little too. Yeah, it's, it's definitely overblown. He's inside the top three on most ADPs, and especially the one I think what is he two on fantasy football calculator, two on <laughs> fantasy football calculator, just, and two on MFL. Yep. Yeah, it's just insane to me, and everybody's getting so excited about what happened last year, and they're expecting Deshaun Watson to come out and throw for four thousand yards and rush for a thousand and be like the game-breaking best quarterback in the history of football, and. 
look, let's, let's temper expectations a little bit. The second year for a quarterback is the definitive toughest year for any quarterback. That's just what happens. There's some that overcome it and look fine, like Carson Wentz, and actually take a step forward. But Carson Wentz also hadn't done that much before that. There's some that, you know, just continue to do what they're doing. But more often than not, it's a tougher year. It's a tougher year of learning. And you can look at Teddy Bridgewater, who looked great last night. He actually had this, more games and the same amount of touchdowns than he did in the second year. Jameis Winston, same thing. He, like second year was kind of he plateaued, but it took more games to do exactly what he'd done before. So uh, I, I, I have excitement for him. But yeah. as you said, I'm not, I have Cam Newton third. I have Deshaun Watson fifth. And the only reason I even have him fifth is because six and seven are two injury players and Andrew Luck and Carson Wentz. If I knew they were both 100%, I would take both of them over to Sean Watson. I understand the excitement and the rushing ability and how appealing that is. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of concerns, especially when your number two wide receiver is Will Fuller. Okay. Um, next tier down, let's go second 10. Who, who's the guy you're avoiding that other people seem to like more than you? Uh, well, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if he's the second. Well, he's uh, 10. I, see, I yeah. see him 10 or higher, actually. Well, so, so that's why I'm jumping down is because depending on where you're at, you might be 10, 12, somewhere around. He's, he's fringe QB1. And I, I put it this way, is I don't care if he's fringe QB. I don't care if he's 13. He's still too high. He's too high no matter where you put him in that 10 to 13 range for that grouping because he had, what, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Actually, if you take just the start, six touchdowns and five interceptions. And I understand the excitement. They won all the games. And supposedly they didn't open up the whole playbook for him and all right. that type of stuff. But let's be realistic, too. As much excitement as we could have as Marquise Goodwin is underrated in drafts right now and what he could potentially be. It's still Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon and a banged-up George Kittle as of today. Let's compare that trio to most other teams. It's probably middle of the pack at best. So Jimmy Garoppolo, this offense, there's questions around it, and I understand the excitement for McKinnon, too, who's just another one that annoys me, and we'll talk about him, I know. <laughs> uh, the fact is, like, there's just way too much. You're taking Jimmy Garoppolo over Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers and Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins and Ben Roethlisberger. Like, just stop. Like, I understand there's a, there's a world where that could happen, but stop buying it where you have to buy all the risk associated where now he has to perform what we think is a ceiling just for you to get your draft value back. Yep, I'm with you. Um, another guy I want to mention is Jared Goff. He is going, I'm seeing him at, all right, he's 15 at Fantasy Football Calculator. He's dropped down lower. He's still 12 at MFL. Uh, the volume's just not, last year the volume wasn't there. I know he played really well. It's, it's sort of like he completely maximized the, you know, the amount he got to throw, and I wonder if that's going to happen again. I mean, I get that the coach is good play caller and all that stuff. I just think he, he's not crazy rich for my blood, but a little too much. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not a big J Jared Goff fan to begin with. And I was never a huge fan. I, I did like him coming out of college, and I was one of the people that actually railed on his rookie season, saying, you know, this is one of the worst quarterback performances <laughs> I've seen in a decade. So I was admittedly surprised at how much he improved last year. You still saw the flaws. You still saw, and you've read reports this offseason seeing where he couldn't make that back throw to Sammy Watkins. Like that was part of the reason Sammy Watkins never really did much with that team because that was the side of the field in the area where he still struggles with throws. I don't want a quarterback that struggles with an entire section of the field. I don't want that. So I know they ran more three wide than anybody. I know they, like you said, Sean McVay is beyond a genius when it comes to offense, apparently. So I understand it, but I don't understand the names. Again, he's going in front of them, and that's my biggest issue. I, I was looking at uh, ADP on Fantasy Pros as well, and they actually have him similar to that other ranking at 13, and uh, that's a ranking that's in front of 
Alex Smith, and uh, uh, I'm trying to see some of their names here, Matt Ryan, and then the, even Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, like I, I, you can argue Patrick Mahomes is too high, but you know, the, the rushing ability will offset any concerns there. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. So, um, by the way, the one other guy I have, are you, are you in or out on Dak? I'm out on Dak. Really? Uh, the, the collection of white, look, for his price, I mean, like, what, QB 20? Right. 20, somewhere in it. Like, like, that's fine. I, I have no problem with that. I'm just, I'm not somebody that generally drafts two quarterbacks. So, okay. like, Dak would, the thing is, is if I do too, if I draft somebody, like, if I draft, I'll give you a perfect example. I drafted Patrick Mahomes just recently. I paired him with Alex Smith, one of the safest quarterbacks that there is, and somebody who gets disrespected every single year. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for somebody that could potentially, if I do end up with Jimmy Garoppolo because he fell to a proper value, then I'll look for an Alex Smith or a Matt Ryan or somebody that I can trust. If everything goes wrong, I have a stable presence. I don't want to pair Dak Prescott with Patrick Mahomes because there's a there's a floor out there this year where Dak Prescott absolutely stinks. Okay. All right. So, I, I'm, I, I keep looking at the price. I mean, that's with everybody, but I keep looking at the price and liking <laughs> it. Because, la- because last year the receivers were terrible and he was QB, what, 12 or something? He was. And so. he's, he's got the rushing ability, which helps. But, yeah. I mean, they were terrible last year, but th- this might be a whole new level this season. <laughs> There's no Jason Witten. Jason Witten is subtracted There's from the not. Terrible. And you yeah. can love Michael Gallup as much as anybody. I'm a big fan of Michael Gallup, but at the same time, wow! If you if he's going to beat out Alan Hearns for your number one spot, and that's what you're heading into the season with, that's 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 concerning. All right, um, running back. I have this is another one. I I keep joking around with people doing four of these shows a week. It's hard not to repeat yourself. But one guy I keep talking about is Alvin Kamara, and I just <laughs> I I can't in the middle of the first round. I can't do it. I can't. I look at all these other backs that are going in round one and they're all three down backs and Alvin Kamara early. He will be a three down back. and he's a different kind of back because, you know, you could see him lined up in the slot or whatever, but I just don't, I look at the volume and I look at the potential touchdown regression and I go, nah, I can't do it in the first round. There's no way. What about you? So I, I can still do it in the first round, and I'll give credit to you. So Michael Salfino wrote a piece over at The Athletic actually talking about Kamara and used a whole bunch of numbers about how ridiculously efficient, you're 100% right, how ridiculously high the touchdown ratio was and all that type of stuff. Kind of similar to Tyreek Hill, which, you know, there's concerns with Hill not yeah. scoring inside the red zone. <laughs> all those touchdowns came from outside the red zone. So it's a similar facet for the running back position. But then he said even if you take it down to average numbers, because of the expected volume increase, and not just from the first four weeks, but just being worked into that offense more that you even saw down the second half of mm-hmm. last year, even if you regress all that back, he still ends up coming into a late first round value when you project out the points. And obviously there's a floor that's worse than that. But I mean, we're asking him to fall off a cliff efficiency-wise to 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 really not be a first rounder. So I understand it. I, especially in a non-PPR, have my reservations about him there. I, I much rather, I know, the, like, so I rank to my projections because I take out my biases or biases. I don't know which way you're supposed to say it, <laughs> but I tell everybody that. And you'll see Alvin Kamara is higher than the names I'm about to say. And this is why I'm putting this out there. If I'm drafting, my bias is like you. I, if I'm in a non-PPR, I'm taking Fournette. I'm taking Melvin Gordon. I'm taking Hunt before I take Kamara. My projections say otherwise because it was hard for me to get him any lower in my projections. But I can certainly see where the reservation comes. Okay. Um, so that, that was the next thing I was going to ask you. The guy he's, he seems to be flip-flopping with or right neck and neck with is Saquon. 
Yeah, see, I'm taking Saquon everywhere. I'm actually taking Saquon Barkley in front of Kamara. Again, despite the projections may say differently in PPR, I'm even taking Barkley in front of Antonio Brown in the PPR because I want my bell cow running back. If I don't take him at number five, I'm not getting a bell cow on the way back in the second round. I'm, I'm looking at like a Christian McCaffrey there, which I really like in a PPR. But I still I want that bell cow. And I think that obviously everybody's going to be concerned. You know, this guy's never played it down in the NFL. But you know what I always say, John? I say it all the time. You know, every rookie in the history of football has never played a down in the NFL. Did, <laughs> That's right. did that stop Kareem Hunt last year? Did it stop Leonard Fournette? Did it stop Dalvin Cook until he got hurt? Did it stop Ezekiel Elliott? Did it stop Kamara? I mean, we can keep that. I'm just, those are just recent. I mean, we can go back every single year for a decade and talk about running backs that it didn't stop from performing great, especially in fantasy. So the only thing that's going to stop Barkley are injuries, and that has to be your only concern so far. Yeah, I, I was telling folks, I was telling Jake just before we started recording that I have an MFL starting with a bunch of buddies of mine started that just started this morning, and I'm a little annoyed that I have. It's a bunch of guys I grew up with in New York, and we're all Giant fans, or most of us <laughs> are. And I have the fourth pick, and I'm a little annoyed that I can't. I mean, I could get Saquon, but realistically, if I have a fourth yeah. pick, I can't. No, see, I'm with you. I'm still taking Zeke there if he's there yeah. or David Johnson, whoever. The, the fourth one that falls there. I'm with you. I've had the fourth pick, and I've passed on Barkley every single time. Yeah. Despite, I would love to have him. I, I, you know, This is where I always tell people. I, it might be a Giants fan, but if it comes to fantasy advice, I'm not going to tell you something because I'm a homer. Right. I, I will say, though, at some point in draft season, I have to come away with him. I don't know where <laughs> That's, it is. Just play it as 15 leagues. Well, okay, 15 yeah. leagues where I have to manage the rosters and another about – 10 or 11 best balls and you'll be like me you'll have plenty of shares of them at this point yeah it, it, even I, I just hope it doesn't come down to the last league because then i'll just have to pay whatever it takes <laughs> no here's the worst one i was in a best ball yesterday john the 10th spot these idiots let barkley fall to the 10 spot what? The dude started yeah he started with barkley and hunt out of the 10 hole i was like they forget it this league's over i don't even want to play anymore <laughs> in best ball <laughs> yeah because that's a guy who's you know he, he's he's gonna take a few 70 or 80s in there yeah I just and put up big points and the ten spot got to start with Barkley and Hunt. I was just like, "This is dumb." Good for you. All right, <laughs> who of those round one guys? Who are you fading? I see. That's the thing that I kept looking. I kept looking and kept looking. I don't really have a round one. The only one I guess I would say I'm hesitant about, and maybe in some drafts I'll take the leap on Dalvin Cook instead. Uh, would be uh, well, okay, because. Uh, the ADP is there. Well, I don't know. I, it's fantasy football calculator. I forgot to pull that up before. Is, De, is Devontae Freeman in the first round on that one? Devontae Freeman. He's probably not. He's in the second two, round. 205. Yeah, see, see that's the thing. Is I, I can't really hate anybody too much in the first round. Maybe Melvin Gordon just because he is so volume-based. But I, who are they going to give it to? They're going to give it Austin Eckler 15 right. touches a game. So it's, it's hard for me to hate anybody. I think the, the biggest concern is Kamara. Okay. What about later? I mean, we, we both agree. I was going to ask you next for rounds two and three. You mentioned Jarek McKinnon already. <laughs> yes. I'm with you on that. I've been a guy for years who, you know, I, I always want to get Jarek McKinnon because I keep, keep waiting for the, for, for, the, for the pop from him. Last year, I sort of got it. Now, everybody's expecting way more of it than I am. There's no question about it. He's not built for 20-plus touches a game. If he gets 20-plus touches a game, two things are going to happen. He's going to lose efficiency like Lamar, Dillard, Lamar Miller did when everybody was quit pounding the table when he was with the Dolphins, give him more touches, look how good he is. He gets more touches. He puts out the same numbers just on more touches. Right. He got less efficient. That's going to be one scenario for McKinnon. Or the other scenario is they get him killed. That's the, You're giving somebody that size, and the similar thing with Christian McCaffrey and Kamara and all the rest of them, 
there's something to be said for body size and BMI when they talk about the NFL. You can be exceptionally explosive. And there are, and I know people are going to come back on them, probably you and me on Twitter and stuff like that. There are exceptions to the rule. There have been players in history that have bucked the trend. But they are exceptions to the rule. They're not the rule. And McKinnon getting 20-plus touches a game would do either one of those things, potentially both, potentially be less efficient, and then still get himself killed. All right. All right. So we're out on McKinnon, everybody. Both of us. Yes. Uh, at the two, Mid, two, three middle turn. third round I'll, I'll i'll jump in but yeah you're making it there i mean he's fading a little bit right now he is let's see i'm seeing third i'm see he's slipping into the third he was second for a little while oh good people are he's starting to listen slipping to us. into third i see him at 29 overall in mfl i see him at two 302 in, in at finish the poll calculator set 38th yeah i got him at 301 so it's just yeah all right that's a uh, what about still a middle Middle rounds. I mean, there's a lot of we we could that that opens up. It's a big, vague description. Yes, fifth, sixth, seventh. There's guys that people want to jump on. Like Jamal Williams is a popular one there for people. Um, right. Kerryon Johnson's becoming a popular one there for people. Do you, Do you want me to give you four names and then you can pick out which ones you want to talk about? Yes. All right. So I had four. Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, Sony Michelle. Although we we kind of covered Sony Michelle anyway. But it was a, just that that one real quick. He's going back-to-back right now, as of right now, with Rex Burkhead. This was before last night and the whole concern about the tear and the injury for Rex Burkhead. But that one was just baffling to me. Like, Sonny Michelle might not even be ready for week one. What the, he- what the heck's your problem? Right. Any case. So, the other three are Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, and Tariq Cohen. Okay. Um, all right. So, so Derek Henry. Uh, actually, it's funny. Joe PSPA yesterday was talking up Derek Henry. But, oh, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. But Dion Lewis is, I mean, they paid him. He's involved. Derrick Henry, they looked inclined to get him more involved down the stretch last year. Is it Lewis's presence alone, or is it more than that? That's that's making you ch- ch- stay away from him, and let's see. he Actually, he's right near where McKinnon is in the top of the third round. Yeah, I can't invest in that. I don't. Un- this backfield could easily be 50-50, probably more 55-45. And I was saying it for a while, and then a beat writer for the Titans actually said the exact same thing, and I'm so glad people started seeing this because he's right, and it's a, it's a great way of putting it, is that – Derrick Henry could get more touches, but Deion Lewis could have the better numbers. And that, that's really what we can see happening here. Like I said, 55-45 would mean Derrick Henry is getting more touches on the percentage there. But Henry is a, he's a freak for his size. But at the same time, you watch last year. Go back and watch some of the tape of him running. Go watch the tape from college. And you watch this guy that's somebody that's built for that size. If you get him before he gets to the line of scrimmage, you're stopping him. You're tripping him up. And that's just what happens when you're that upright and that big. When you're pushing 6'2", 6'3", it's easier to get clipped to the legs. And I say that because even if he's getting 20 touches a game, the 20 touches a game would obviously help. And I would feel more comfortable in the third round. Actually, I'd feel great about him in the third round. But you're, you're giving him this, this 15 to 17 range. Some of those runs are going to be stopped. He's, he tries to bounce outside himself because of that, and that's his biggest thing. Like, cool. Another one. It was at the end of the season last year. He had the first down and a few extra yards, but he tried to bounce it outside like he is Deion Lewis. And it, <laughs> they if they, they got to get that out of his head. If they do, now this could sound like a terrible take if week 10 of the season because he finally stopped doing that, just running between or off the tackles, and this guy could be a legitimate beast. But I really think that Deion Lewis – is too talented not to work into 40, 45% of the touches. All right. Next up, Mark Ingram, uh, fantasy football calculator, uh, middle of the fourth. Yeah. Why? 
Well, like I like I know Mark Ingram when he comes back. I I am excited to stash him as much as anybody. When you get back when you get back with Mark Ingram, he's going to be an RB two, no problem there. But the middle of the fourth round, he's your second running back. Unless yeah. you went unless you went two running backs to start, and now you're making a third, and you're giving yourself a deficiency at wide receiver. The I don't understand the fourth round, like the sixth. Yeah, absolutely. You're missing four games to start the year. The easiest four games to make up a loss, I understand. But again, you're drafting them as your RB2, somebody who's going to miss four games. I, just, I don't understand this draft decision. I, 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 can you explain it to me? I really can't understand it. I think it's aggressive. I, I love Mark Ingram. I do think that this year, and what we saw down the stretch last year, was their willingness to, to use Kamara a little more. And that scares me away a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, it basically his his role changed where he's still involved, but not like he was. But I I agree with you. That's an aggressive slide. Even though when he comes back, you know, it, it's weird because because we can't just look at the aggregate. We have to look at the week to week. And when he comes back, he he performs like you said. He performs like an RB two most likely. But yeah, fourth round's too too aggressive. In, in MFL, I'm looking at that ADP. I see 78. That sounds better. We agree. That yeah, that definitely okay. Sixth, seventh round. Yeah, yeah, now now I'm jumping on board of Mark Ingram, no problem. But you take him in the fourth round, your second running back for the first four weeks is probably going to be like a, I don't know, like a Duke Johnson or a Bilal Powell or something right. like that. Um, the last guy you mentioned is Tree Cohen. Uh, the Bears have been talking about him during the off season as sort of a I don't know chess piece is a popular term that people like to use that they're going to move the guy around a little bit and make sure he sort of make sure he gets on the field even though he's not the type of back and he's a little dude 56 180 something like that uh, mm-hmm. that they're going to move him around even probably when Jordan Howard's on the field Jordan Howard's been getting more love from people is that is that the biggest reason why you're not into Tariq Cohen well not into Tariq Cohen like in PPR fine yeah he, but he's Tariq Cohen's theoretic like, understand that for people, like, and I just say it for fantasy purposes, obviously a little bit of different players, especially as you mentioned the size. But it comes down to Theo Riddick was great as a PPR running back. He was a fringe RB2. He's somebody that you plug into your flex spot or in your RB2 if you went wide receiver heavy. And then you say, you know what? I can live with it because he's got a nice floor. He's catching three or four or five passes every single week. That's fine. You don't get the three or four or five points in non-PPR, and he's still going in that same rate. There's not a big difference between Cohen and non and PPR drafts, that's my problem. So I'm not going to get too upset with the PPR people out there. Uh, there's still a few more running backs that I prefer. And I think, the, again, to what you just said, Jordan Howard still, as of today, is getting way too much hate for what he can do. The guy was almost an RB1 in PPR. He was an RB1 in non-PPR and, and couldn't pass catch last year, and he's been working on it. And people are still like, ah, who cares about Jordan Howard? You remember Alfred Morris back when he was getting his run with the Redskins and finishes as a top-10 running back despite never catching yes. the ball? Like people are getting way too over uh, reactionary with this, but Cohen, if you want to take him around Duke Johnson or Ty Montgomery, uh, eh, well, depending on what happened with last night, but Bilal Powell, like those pass catching guys that in PPR, if nice value, non PPR, you're probably going to be kicking yourself and you know where like every single week trying to figure out, oh God, he got me three points this week. Oh, now I missed out on the fifteen because I put him on the bench. That that's what you're going to get non PPR. All right, uh, as for, and as for Jordan Howard, I, I feel like the love people enough people are saying what you said about Jordan Howard now that that his stock is starting to rebound a little bit. 
It is. I mean, it's, it's, you see that. You see what the group think, and then enough of us kind of say that in the industry and tweet it out and write articles about it, and things start to change. Like, well, you saw how quickly, I'm sure, the Randall Cobbs situation changed. It went from he was the ninth, tenth round, and it's like, why the heck is nobody drafting Randall Cobb to all of a sudden within a week, week and a half, he swung up to the sixth, seventh round, which is about proper value. Right. So, you know, it's the group thing, but sometimes, and more often than not, it's for a good reason. You know, we're not trying to pump up somebody just to screw up drafts, we're trying to help everybody. Unfortunately, this hurts the people who are getting the great values. Right. All right. Um, last one I wanted to mention, and, and I don't know if he's a good guy to mention. Marlon Mack's hamstring, he, he's, he's in a shaky situation right now. He's still going probably seventh round or so. What do you think is going to happen with that Colts backfield? Let's, let's say when he's healthy, what do you think is going to happen? A headache? I have Christian Michael. Uh, oh god uh, like so i the only shares i had of was jordan wilkins and that was before last week now I've, over the last week of drafting i have zero shares of anything involved with the colts backfield because Hines is still going high because people are drafting Hines as the Tariq cohen theoretic type and you know i, I love his pass catching ability but yeah, compared to what i was saying a month ago about this backfield and why i was staying away completely because you have marlon mack who arguably probably should be the first option on this team, but tries to do too much with every play. Like, dude, just sometimes one yard is sometimes all you're going to get in the NFL, and that's your best-case scenario. It's better than trying to bounce around and run around in circles and then lose four yards, which is what he does. He did it in college, too. So that's his issue. You have Hines, who's the best pass catcher on this team. You have Jordan Wilkins, who's probably the best all-around running back and better than, obviously, you talk about Mac between the tackle and not trying to do too much. So I was going with Wilkins late. And then he started to get talk, especially from Mike Clay and all these other people, and he started to get pushed up. And now he's kind of going around Hines, even in PPR, non-PPR. And then you have the Mac where he's kind of fallen to the point where, eh, maybe I'll roll the dice on Mac. But what I'm saying all of this is it's obvious if everybody's healthy, those three are healthy, it's a committee. There's no other death. Yeah. This is a true – this is the truest form of committee that you will see this year. And let's not forget. They were trying to give Robert Turbin the first snaps and carries before his suspension. So he's going to come back. I mean, they haven't cut the guy. So what happens when Robert Turbin's there and all of a sudden it's four guys? I, I, I don't know. And that's the answer to our question right there. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, Fantasy Football Evolution is back for 2018 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've added mock drafting, moved the championship final to NFL Week 16, and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join us and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. Fantasy Football Evolution's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver-wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just $25. You'll be Actually, it's $27. My mistake. You could be the next Fantasy Football Evolution $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. Optional auto-draft and lineup assist can help you manage them with ease. It's all here. So what are you waiting for? Register now, fantasyfootballevolution.com, and join the evolution. Availability varies by states. Visit our website for details. Thanks a lot, Fantasy Football Evolution. Okay, wide receivers. First and second, A.J. Green, I always, you know, we're flipping from the rookies that we talked about earlier. And with older guys, I, I always lean toward being out a year too early then a year too late. And I look at AJ Green and I looked at the efficiency from last year and he's 30 years old and I go, mm, probably not for me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that AJ Green is the one where I actually, I don't, as many leagues as I just mentioned I have, I don't own AJ Green anywhere there because you know. I'm, kind of, I, I'm kind of with you. It's just, it's, it's not even him. 
I love AJ Green. I, I think it really just comes down to Andy Dalton. And like Andy Dalton at this point is just continuing to decline. And there's like a rapport that seems that he lost a little bit last year with AJ Green. I don't know if it's just that's because of his ability, but AJ Green for where he's going in the first round or like not first close to the first round. I, I just, I'm not going to get involved at that price because I'd rather take a running back there just because it's, you know, what do you, Chris McCaffrey versus AJ Green. I'm taking McCaffrey because yes. I know what I'm getting. Right. Okay. Let's go. Let's go down, down the chain a little bit. Uh, rounds three and four. Who are you mm-hmm. out on? Tyreek Hill? <laughs> Again, no question. I was out on him last year, and I feel I I felt like I missed, and it's making me rethink him, even though my usual instincts would say to be out on him again. No, so what I'm saying is I don't want him in that third round range is mostly because of the people around him. Like he's going in front of Larry Fitzgerald, and Larry Fitzgerald, okay, there's concerns with his age, but after the one season where he was basically the trash and then everybody left him for dead. He's been back to Larry Fitzgerald since and people keep pushing him down or that I am one of the biggest haters of Mari Cooper. But at this point, Mari Cooper, the number one versus here's what I'm going to say about Tyreek Hill. Is he the number one? Patrick Mahomes has one game under his belt. Patrick Mahomes also has, if you took Tyreek Hill next to Sammy Watkins and said, who's the more talented wide receiver? It is Sammy Watkins. Now Sammy Watkins hasn't put it all together. We know that. But at the same time, why I set that up is because we don't know who Patrick Mahomes has the best rapport with. If we started this season and you see Patrick Mahomes looking Sammy Watkins' way, having a better rapport, having a better connection with him, would that surprise anybody? It certainly wouldn't surprise me. And if that's the case, and now you have Tyreek Hill, who already, as I said earlier, we talked about it before, every single one of his touchdowns came from outside the 20-yard line. If I want my red, I want a wide receiver to have at least a handful of, of red zone touchdowns. I don't want all to come out from that far away. So I just, I I can't do it. I just can't do Tyreek Hill in the middle of the third round. Okay. I don't think I can do fits. Really? PPR. I mean, at some point, again, maybe it's the age and it's the the quarterback uncertainty. I know it wasn't really good last year there, but I look at it and go, all right, if he only catches 90, then what do I have? Right. I mean, maybe a thousand yards, maybe not. So I, I, I feel like I feel like this. There's the the floor is kind of so so with him. I, I think with ninety, you'd still have close to eleven hundred and five or six touchdowns. Okay. All right. I don't know. I I think I'm out on Fitz at forty three overall in MFL and where am I four point? Actually, end of the fourth where I'm seeing a fantasy football calculator. That I could think I could live with more. So what if, if like ninety receptions? We'll say a thousand fifty yards and six touchdowns. You think that's what does that too get much me to ask? Uh, that gets you. I'm looking right now. That gets you to about. That gets you about wide receiver fourteen. All right. Well, last year he was one hundred nine for eleven fifty six. See, that's the thing. If if at ninety receptions, is he? Is he getting ten fifty? Yeah. Yeah. That's... I don't know because because the last three years, eleven point one, nine point six, ten point six. So yeah. I, I, I might gotta, get less than a thousand yards. Wow, I, I didn't real that that's such a low yard per catch. I didn't yeah. realize he was that low. So I don't know that that's why. And may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he catches a hundred. I mean, you know, he's caught one hundred nine, one hundred seven, one hundred nine. No, so years. I, you're right. It sounds like he needs to get at least to around a hundred. All right. So then he put a concern in my head. Now I have to go back. There you go. 
<laughs> See, I, I was, I bring you here for you to, you know, help me learn stuff. And, and I gave you a little tip here. So well, I'm now I'm pulling up my projections just to see what I have. Now, now you just got me curious in general to see what, let's see. I'll tell you right now, my Larry Fitzgerald projections, I have him for, see, I still have, I have him for 99.8 receptions and 1,027 yards. So got it. I still have him for a hundred. Okay. All right. So middle rounds after this. So fifth, sixth, seventh, I, I like Chris Hogan as a real life receiver. I like Uh-oh. Chris Hogan. Uh-oh. I don't know that I'm going to, when, when am I going to get this? I mean, when they got him two years ago, it was, oh, he's such a great fit. He's a, what was it? He's, you know, he's seven eleven cause he's always open and all that stuff. And I know last year he was hurt for a while <laughs> and the per game was, but it's the, the numbers are kind of like, they're okay. What, what am I, why am I drafting this guy in the fifth round? Even though he might be the best wide receiver on the Patriots, which uh, when Julian Edelman gets back, things are going to change somehow. I, I feel like he's 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 been there for two years and it's all right. Just so right. I'm going to try and sell you. That's okay. why. So that's why I said, uh oh, because I am all over Chris Hogan. I actually have Chris Hogan as a top 20 wide receiver this year because it's your point. Everybody. This is this is kind of like the last year's trash where people get ticked off because they got burned. But. This is last year's trash because he got hurt, and missed the second half of the season. Like it's not the, it's it's weird to me. This 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 situation is kind of baffling to me because he was every everything what people wanted him to be last year. Because when he got hurt, he was eighth in non PPR and tenth in PPR. Now, okay, top ten wide receiver in both formats. That's with week one being basically nothing for week one. So it was seven great games. And they weren't all touchdown-based. You go look at the numbers. There was plenty of yards there. That was with playing with Brandon Cooks for all the people that are saying, not you, I'm just saying there's a lot of people out there like, well, Julio is back in, after week four, so what does that mean? Well, he played with Brandon Cooks for all those weeks. And then you get the comment that somebody said to me on Twitter yesterday, well, Brandon Cooks and Julio Edelman are different wide receivers. I said, oh, really? Thank you for that information. <laughs> and then that person got all butthurt because I made a joke. I was just joking around with the guy, but he, got a, he started going off. I actually had to mute him. I don't even know what he was yelling about. But – it doesn't matter. It's like, so I understand the point where people are like, well, the volume for Julian Edelman. Well, let's also talk about the fact through those first eight games, Brandon Cooks did have 54 targets. You know, okay, so what, Edelman maybe has 64, maybe gets close to 70. It's not like Hogan's not going to get his. And Hogan is, as of today, for those first four weeks, the number one wide receiver. He still might be the number one when Edelman comes back because Edelman's just going to do his thing. I think Chris Hogan has a real chance to push for 10 touchdowns, and that's where the real appeal for me comes from. Is I don't think he's catching 1,000 yards, but around 850, 900 with at least seven or eight touchdowns, if not more, that's why I'm on a Chris Hogan because Tom Brady is going to throw over 35-plus touchdowns, and they can't all go to Gronk, and they're not going to all go to Gronk and Edelman. So um, I'm a huge Chris Hogan guy. All right, so for those first eight games of the last season before he got hurt, he averaged less than seven targets. You still good? I'm still good. Okay. I don't because know. he's catching the majority of them. I, re- I guess I really like him. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't pull a trigger. I can't in, in round five or six. I can't pull a trigger. But also, like, throw out that first game. I know this, I, I actually hate when people do that. I'm just saying. Also. No, right. But yeah, it's good. Four, five, four, four five, five, eight. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of production yeah. there. I agree. It's, 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 yeah, seven, six, four. There's a four in there. Eleven, nine, six, six for target. So, I, I only need six targets a game average, seven targets a game average for Chris Hogan because he's going to catch. If he's getting seven a game, he's catching four or five every single week, and four or five for him means 65-plus yards and a good chance for a touchdown. Now, if, if he, and if he's getting seven targets a game, to your point, 
he's a top 20 in targets and you would think there the efficiency is going to be higher than that. So right. yeah, he's a top 20 receiver. Okay. Um, tight ends. Uh, sorry. Anybody, anybody in the mid rounds for you? Uh, same round. I'm off on Brandon cooks. And because I've said this multiple times, I'm going to keep banging the table for this one for, to use that cliche again is I hate strength of schedule. You know, this I hate, do not use strength of schedule because it's based on last year. There are some people who use strength of schedule for this year, but I still don't like it because you're trying to rate an entire defense and people are looking for eight weeks, 16 weeks out for a season, which things change every single year. Perfect example last year is the Saints were a team to exploit by the end of the season. It's like, oh my God, stay away from them. If you remember, I think it was the Falcons, I think got them twice in the final three games of last year for fantasy purposes. Right. And that went from being, that's going to be amazing to good grief. That's terrible to see. The Giants, flip side of it. It was tough to start. And then by the end of the season, it was beat up on the Giants, please. So, that's why I hate strength of schedule, but I will look at strength of opponent, and I'll look at people who are matched up. And for Brandon Cooks, the corners that he faces this year, he faces 12 of, the, 12 of the corners inside the top 50 for pro football focus. Okay, that doesn't sound that great. Let's take the next step further. Eight inside the top 10 wow. is what he faces this year. And I know this that I'll make the counter argument for everybody before they make it. He's not going to get shadowed by all of them, but it still matters. It still matters when you're the number one the number one wide receiver facing the number one corner. You're going to see him for at least 50% of the game. Patrick Peterson, you're still going to see 50% of that game. And he says him twice. Is I just can't get in on Brandon Cooks facing those corners over the season and go look at the list that he's facing this year for where he's going. I, I, I can't do it. I'd much rather have Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. Okay. Um, let's jump to tight ends. And this is harder. Yeah. It's because there's such a huge drop-off this year. Yeah. I, I think, first of all, at the cost, I mean, look, if you want to spend for Gronk or Kelsey, I'm probably not going to argue. Much as I like Ertz, I don't think he... I, I can't see myself drafting him in you know, late third, early fourth round at, at that slight discount from the other two. I'm with you. And especially in non-PPR. In a PPR... That's kind of one of those I'll grit my teeth and deal with it. Um, that, and I say if you do it because I don't own Gronk, I don't own Kelsey, and I don't own Ertz because I'm never going to invest the first three-round, even top of the fourth-round pick on a tight end. I just won't. You know, Gronk making it to the third, maybe. You know, that'd be hard to you know, say, I, I can't not take that. But that's never going to happen. So I don't have to worry about that scenario. Uh, the problem is, is what you sacrifice elsewhere. I know everybody says, well, look at the advantage you have at tight end. Yes, but you're offset by the disadvantage of what you created somewhere else. Yep. And it's actually not that big when you talk about week-to-week. If you talk about week-to-week production from Rob Gronkowski to Kyle Rudolph, it, you know, three, four points a week, it, well, what does that do when you sacrifice depth at another position, especially if it ends up being running back? And that's my biggest problem. Okay, uh, I think I'm with you there. And actually looking last year, let's see, Rudolph was six. All right, Gronk was 12 a game, but Kelsey was 10. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking Rudolph from two years ago. Okay, got it. But Which I, mean, I don't think, I don't think he's going to get that high. But uh, so, what's, what's a better one from last year? Gronkowski to, to I don't know. Engram is four point seven points. Okay. So yeah, not that huge a deal. I agree. Four, four or five points, four, four or five points per game per week, or, and that sounds like a decent gap, and it is. And I, again, I'm going to say that it, that is a big advantage. But again. You have to counter you counter counteract it by what you lost at running back or wide receiver, which pretty much always ends up evening out. And now you need Gronkowski to play 15, 16 games because if Gronkowski only plays twelve, what you just cost yourself is now made even yep. worse by that factor. 
All right. Anybody else later? It was hard. The harder part is to find the middle ground guys. Let's go after Ertz. Graham, Olsen, Engram, Rudolph Walker, Reed, let's say maybe Trey Burton, all between, let's say, rounds five and nine or so. There's, you know, people who are fading, who are skipping the first three usually wind up with one of these guys. Is there someone in that group that you, that people like more than you? two there's two guys actually one of the first one is the first one you named is jimmy graham i'm not I, i'm not getting invested in jimmy graham yeah. uh, i understand the touchdown appeal but this guy as great as he was and it's sad to see is his body is just destroyed at this point in his career and he doesn't it's it's the des bryant situation where he doesn't separate no okay you don't need him to separate because he can win the 50 50 contested balls okay but Still, look at last year. What are you hoping for? With uh, the best case scenario, the Packers is six hundred yards, and then he's catching eight or nine touchdowns, and that's fine. He'll end up as a tight end one. But the downs, the floor for Jimmy Graham is so enormous, especially if he misses time. That's why I can't do it. If you're going to give me Jimmy Graham in the seventh or eighth, I've actually drafted him in the eighth before. But he's the fifth round is just insane to me. And then Delaney Walker. And I'm a huge Delaney. I have owned Delaney Walker. I feel almost like every single season for the past five years. But he's already dealing with an injury. Uh, PPR has obviously always been his better value because he doesn't catch a ton of touchdowns. Corey Davis is back and healthy. Uh, this offense is changing up this year, which I actually have excitement for for LaFleur under the McVay tree over there. But I think that you're going to see some more focus to Jonas Smith. And I, I just don't know that Walker is going to be somebody that, if he does finish as a tight end one, I don't think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be five, 600 yards and three or four touchdowns. Okay, mine in here is that even even though you're getting him at a much bigger discount than before, it seems to me that people are trying to talk themselves into Jordan Reed again, even though it's later. <laughs> they're going, but he has, but he doesn't have any bones in his foot now, right? I mean, people people are looking at him now and saying, "Well, it used to be you know tight end two or three, but now if I get him as the tenth tight end in the eighth or ninth round, boy, the upside's great. The guy's gonna play like eight games. It's always it always happens, always." Like Tyler, Tyler Eifert, you yeah, know, for week five. <laughs> I mean, you know, if and I get, I get the investment's not great, but I it, put it this way: Kittle or Jordan Reed, I would pick Kittle every time. Well, if Kittle's healthy, right, which he should be, but but he's going, but even healthy. Well, see, I'll take it. Him. I'll take it a different angle. Is I I actually own Jordan Reed, but I own Jordan Reed when he fell to the tenth, eleventh round range because let's talk about the eighth or ninth round. The running backs on the board. Duke Johnson, Aaron Jones, you know, Nick Chubb, who I love as a long-term investment, wide receivers, Devin Funches, Robert Woods, and like that's the issue. It's like those are the guys; those are the names you're passing on to take Jordan Reed and hope that Jordan Reed plays even 12 games. So, I, like now, where I said like when I took him the one, actually I think I owned him twice, and like I said, both times were the 10th round. Now you're talking about Naheem Hines and Deontay Foreman and Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore. Like, okay, now you might get me a little bit excited or involved with Jordan Reed. Okay. That's fair. I can buy that. If you're playing basically the streaming game almost. Right. So, okay. Folks, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Jake, um, you're at The Athletic like we talked about. What are you up to coming up soon? Uh, continue. I did early, like names, you know, sleepers and more. This is like, it was like a disrespect column. Like, okay, you know, these names, why do you keep not drafting them next week is going to be like your true sleepers, which I still hate that term because it doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) But you know, the, the later round people that you're overlooking, uh, the rankings are out, the projections are out. We're doing our mock draft where we got a little series coming up. Uh, I I almost, it's it's a huge tease. I I guess you'll be excited to see what it is. Put it that way. Check out Jake's stuff at The Athletic. And the, the Twitter account is The Athletic FF for fantasy football. 
Yes, that is the so yeah, the athletic and the athletic FF for well, it's it's fantasy. I think it's just fantasy sports. I don't know what the other F stands for because it's they're gonna there's baseball and basketball, and all, or maybe they'll have one for each. So I don't know. I don't know as of today. All right. Well, the, or and Jake is at all in kid again. If <laughs> if you like good sports writing, you like Jake's stuff, and you like good fantasy analysis. They got a great team. They just they just announced over there. Check it out at the athletic, um, folks. If you like this podcast, leave us a review and a rating. We always ask you that. You've been doing it, and and we appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Next week we're gonna. Be back. We're going to have some team-centric, the Rotowire beat writers. Uh, I've got at least three days booked with two guys each, each covering a different team. You're going to get a lot of team-specific information, so make sure to come back next week. Check that out, but have a great weekend before then. For Jake Seeley, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.